out this morning, uh, but are glad that you're here. Glad you've taken time to spend time thinking about God and the wonderful sacrifices He's made for us. Well, the game of golf is a frustrating game. And if you're as bad at golf as I am, it's especially frustrating. I quit playing golf almost 24 years ago to the day. It was in the fall of 99. I was in Cleveland, Ohio. I was playing golf with my friend Rob, and Rob was a good player. I was terrible. And I had been having a terrible day. It was getting almost dark, and I hit a shot, and it just went over into the grass somewhere, and we, I was so frustrated, we just left the ball and went home. The story's told about a group of guys that was playing golf behind a man who was having a day like that on the golf course. And it seemed like every time he hit the ball, it went in the wrong place, and he was just frustrated, and they were observing his frustration. Finally, he hit a ball, and it was a terrible shot again. He just picked up his bag of golf clubs and threw it in the pond there on the golf course and walked off the course. And as the guys were standing around sort of laughing about that and observing what had happened, all of a sudden they saw him walking back on the course. And he waded out into the middle of that pond and he retrieved his golf bag. And as he's dragging it back to the shore, they're assuming in their mind that he had had to change a heart and he was going to try again. When he got back to the bank, he reached down in his golf bag, unzipped the, the pocket of the golf bag and pulled his car keys out of the bag, put them in his pocket and threw the clubs back in the pond and left and went home. When we get angry, it causes us to do all kinds of terrible things. And anger is an emotion that we've all had, and it's an emotion that is unavoidable, but it can be very dangerous. Benjamin Franklin said this about anger. He said, what begins in anger ends in shame. And he's right. Mark Twain said this. He said, anger is an acid that can do more harm to the vessel in which it is stored than to anything that it is poured upon. Anger is dangerous. The Bible says it this way in James chapter 1, as Joseph just read for us, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Anger is dangerous. And just as with anything that's dangerous, we need to study about how to deal with it so it doesn't hurt us. We do the same things for other things in our lives that are dangerous. Your car is dangerous. You learn how to operate your car so it doesn't hurt you. Power tools are dangerous. Knives in the kitchen are dangerous. We learn how to handle things that are dangerous so that they don't harm us. Anger is dangerous and it can harm us and we need to know how to deal with it. What does the Bible say about anger? And what does the Bible tell us about how to deal with it? For the basis of our lesson this morning, I want to look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 has two verses or has several verses that tell us about how to deal with anger. Let's start in verse 25 of Ephesians chapter 4. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need. 
Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. There are some important lessons for us here about anger and how we can deal with anger so it doesn't hurt us and it doesn't hurt those who are around us. Two passages particularly in this context stand out. Verse 26 and verse 31. But these two passages appear to be a contradiction. Verse 26 says, Be angry and do not sin. But Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 says, Let all bitterness, wrath, and anger be put away from you. So one verse says that we can have anger. One verse says that we can't have anger. Is there a contradiction here? Well, if the Bible is from God, there can be no contradictions, can there? If the Bible is from our almighty, omniscient God, He wouldn't give us something that is flawed and has contradictions. Romans chapter 11, verse 33 says, Oh, the depth and the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. If this God, whose ways are unsearchable, and there's the depth of the wisdom and knowledge of God that we can't understand, if that God gave us this book, there will be no contradictions in it whatsoever. I want to tell you, though, if the Bible is from man, if the Bible is from man, and a man wanted to write a book that was, he was going to pull off this great scheme to just dupe everybody, write this book, and it's going to be such a book that everyone will believe it's from God, and I'm going to pull this great, this great heist off where everybody's going to believe that this came from God, don't you think I'd proofread it first? Don't you think maybe I'd give it to my wife and say, hey, listen, I got this scheme. We're going to write this book, and everybody's going to love it, and it's going to be on the bestseller list for years, and there's going to be no other book like it. Would you mind proofreading it? And she'd read it here and say, no, well, honey, this doesn't make sense. You just got, telling me, got done telling us to be angry, that it's okay to be angry, and then you said you could get rid of it. That doesn't make sense. Don't you think I would do that? I mean, this is just six verses apart. Don't you think I'd say, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. I'm going to change that. I'll tell you that verses like this, to me, are proof that the Bible's not from man, that it's from God. The Bible has to be from God. We could spend the rest of our lesson this morning looking at proof that the Bible has to be from God. The Bible is accurate in every detail. The Bible is not a science book, but when it talks about scientific principles... Scientific principles that were unknown and ununderstood at the time that the Bible was written, it is 100% accurate. When the Bible talks about geographical details, they're always accurate. When the Bible talks about civilizations that existed in times past, civilizations that we didn't think existed, but later people found out that they did exist, the Bible was right all along. When the Bible talks about historical events, it's always right. The Bible is always accurate. That tells me it's from God. The Bible contains prophecies, hundreds of prophecies that have been fulfilled. Prophecies with incredible detail that were fulfilled. 
That tells me it has to be from God. I can look at the style of the writing and the various details of the Bible. All of it points to the fact that this has to be from God. So is there a contradiction between verse 26 and verse 31? No, not if it's from God. There is no contradiction. These two verses can be harmonized. And this morning I will look at how we harmonize them. I want to tell you these two verses must harmonize if it's from God because there will be no contradictions. And if I interpret, remember, if I interpret a verse that causes it to be in contradiction with any other part of the Bible, then I have interpreted that verse wrong. Every interpretation that I make of any passage in the Bible has to harmonize with the entire Bible or else I've got a bad interpretation and I need to reject it. If Psalm 119 verse 160 says, The entirety of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. God's word is truth. Its entirety is truth. And I can't go pluck a verse out of it and cause it to mean something that doesn't harmonize with the entirety of the Bible. Because this is from our almighty, all-knowing God, who has given us what he wants us to know about him and his will for us. And we need to make sure that it harmonizes. So how can we harmonize these verses? And how can we learn from them this morning about how to handle, handle anger? First off, we need to note that anger in and of itself is not wrong. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 again, be angry and do not sin. This tells me that anger is not wrong in and of itself because I can have anger and not sin. Isn't that what the verse says? Be angry and do not sin. I can have anger and not be sinful. You know, God is angry. God doesn't sin. God cannot sin. You remember that. That's a very established principle in the scriptures. God cannot sin, but yet God's angry. That tells me it's possibly angry and not sin. In Psalm 7, verse 11, God is a just judge and God is angry with the wicked every day. When God sees people ignoring what he has told them to do and living in ways that are sinful, that makes God angry. And he's angry with the wicked every day. And there are numerous examples of God being angry in the Bible. In Exodus chapter 4, verse 14, you remember as Moses is negotiating with God, saying, you know, I don't think I'm the one to go to Egypt and deliver your people. God, I don't think that's me. And God said, it's you. Well, I can't. Uh, finally, look at verse 11 in Exodus chapter 4. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. God got angry with Moses. And once the children of Israel brought, were brought out of the land of Egypt, you remember they had a great propensity for murmuring and complaining and grumbling about everything that God was doing for them. And it made God angry. Numbers chapter 11, verse 1. Now when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, for the Lord heard it, and His anger was aroused. God is angry with the wicked every day. God, God, God got angry with the excuses of Moses. God got angry with the children of Israel griping and complaining about the blessings that He had given them. It makes God angry when people aren't living like they should. So is it sinful to be angry? No, because God is angry and gets angry. Jesus got angry, and we know that Jesus did no sin. Jesus got angry as while he was a man here on earth. In Mark chapter 3, Mark chapter 3, beginning of verse 1, 
And he entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a withered hand, so they watched him closely whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, Step forward. Then he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or evil, or to save life or to kill? But they kept silent. And when he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored as holds the other. Jesus encountered religious people who were stubborn and hard-hearted, and they would not submit to Jesus' teachings. And when Jesus encountered those people, it made him angry. Is it wrong to be angry? No, it's not a sin to be angry. Jesus was angry. And perhaps one of the best instances of this is in John chapter 2, verse 13, as Jesus cleanses the temple. In John chapter 2, verse 13, Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and He found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves, and the money changers doing business. When He had made a whip of cords, He drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen, and poured out the changers' money, and overturned the tables. And He said to those who sold doves, Take these things away. Do not make my Father's house a house of merchandise. Then His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house has eaten me up. There is no punctuation in the original language, but I think the translators did very good by putting exclamation points here after Jesus' statements. Don't you imagine he was raising his voice? Don't you imagine that he was being very forceful in telling him to get out of here, fed up with what you're doing in the temple? Jesus got angry. It is not wrong to be angry. Anger in and of itself is not wrong. You should not feel guilty when you get angry. God, the Father, and Jesus get angry, and it's not wrong. You know, one of the devil's most successful tactics, I think, is to cause us to feel guilt when there is no guilt. Have you ever been tempted with a sin? And felt guilty for being tempted? Have you ever felt guilt for being tempted? There's no guilt when you're tempted. Guilt comes from yielding to that temptation. When we deal with a temptation like we should, there's no guilt to be felt there. Jesus, after all, was tempted, wasn't he? He wasn't guilty. He did no wrong by being tempted. When we feel guilty for being tempted... Then I'm going to tell you we're tempted to just give in. The temptation is to think, well, I've already messed up. I was tempted. I've already messed up. I might as well just give in to it. Since we can't avoid being tempted, and if we think we're guilty for being tempted, we might conclude, well, I just can't do right. I just can't do it because I'm tempted, and therefore I must, there's must, I must have done something wrong. No, we're not guilty when we're tempted. And so it is with anger. We all experience anger. There are things that make us angry. And if it's a sin to be angry, and sometimes it happens when we can't avoid it, then temptation might be to just give in and let anger have its way. Don't feel guilty when you're angry. There's no sin in being angry. One more thing to note here before we leave verse 26. Verse 26 is not a command. Be angry and sin not is not a command to be angry. Someone might think, well, you know, I just haven't been 
guilt, I haven't been angry enough lately. Maybe I'm not doing what this verse says. No, this verse is not saying you need to be angry. It's saying when you are angry, be careful. Because anger is dangerous. Look at verse 27. Ephesians 4, verse 27. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. We need to understand that when we are angry, which is going to happen to all of us, we are in a vulnerable spot. The devil can use our anger to take control of us. It says, don't give place to the devil. The devil would love to get a hold of our anger and cause, it to do thing, uh, cause us to sin and be an avenue to get us to sin. The Bible over and over again tells us about the dangers of anger. It is habit-forming. It's Proverbs chapter 19, verse 19. Proverbs 19, verse 19. A man of great wrath will suffer punishment. For if you rescue him, you will have to do it again. Have you ever known someone that was like that? They were just perpetually angry. It was just sort of a way of thinking. They were maybe even looking for things that would get on their nerves and make them angry. It's, it's sort of a habit. We can get in that habit where we just turn into angry people. It's, it is habit-forming. Not only is it habit-forming, it's contagious. Look at Proverbs chapter 22, verse 24. Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man do not go, lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. The proverb writer tells us to be careful because if you're around people that are typically angry, it can rub off on you and it can cause you to have that outlook on life. It is habit forming, it is contagious, and it causes us to act very foolishly like the man who throws his golf bag in the pond on the golf course. Proverbs chapter 14 verse 17, a quick tempered man acts foolishly. And a man of wicked intentions is hated. Have you ever seen someone quick-tempered, act foolishly, do something in their anger to hurt themselves? Maybe the, the guy who gets mad and punches the wall and breaks his hand. Or the, other, the person who just gets angry and does something that just messes up something terrible. Anger causes us to act foolishly. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 9. Do not hasten in your spirit to be angry, for anger rests in the bosom of fools. Anger will make you do things that you will regret. And anger will lead to other sins. Proverbs 29, verse 22 says, An angry man stirs up strife, and a furious man abounds in transgression." Furious man abounds in transgression. That means anger is a gateway sin. It will open up the door for other sins. And it will cause strife with others that we come in contact with. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 33. For as the churning of milk produces butter and wringing the nose produces blood, so the forcing of wrath produces strife. Anger will cause us to have problems in our relationship. Anger is dangerous over and over again. We see that anger is dangerous. But the passage that we're looking at in Ephesians chapter 4 tells us that anger must be controlled. Anger must be controlled and it can be controlled. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 26 again. Be angry and do not sin. 
Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. This tells me that we can control our anger. It's going to happen to us, and it's not a sin when it happens. It's dangerous, and we need to be careful, and we need to control it. Don't give place to the devil. That means I'm in the driver's seat when it comes to anger. Don't let the devil slide in the driver's seat. Don't let the devil dictate how I respond to my anger. I am in control. I can control this. I have to take control. I have to resist. James chapter 4, verse 7. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You're in the driver's seat. You can control your anger. But someone would say, yeah, wait a minute. You don't know what, whatever it is, what it does to me, and how it just makes me furious. It just makes my blood boil. I can't handle it when they do that. Well, maybe I don't know how furious it makes you when somebody does that. But what I do know is what the Bible says. And the Bible says you can control it. James chapter 1, verse 19 again. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. God tells you, and I don't care what the annoyance is, to be slow to to wrath. And God doesn't give us instructions that we can't do. God doesn't put the bar so high that we can't get over it. God said, be slow to wrath. We have to control whatever it may be, whatever the annoyance may be. We have to control it. Back in Ephesians chapter 4, it says, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't give place to the devil and don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Does that mean that I need to work on getting angry early in the morning so that I have longer to deal with it? As long as you deal with it before the sun goes down, you're okay. And by all means, don't get mad after sunset. You're in real trouble then. Is that what this verse is saying? No, I don't believe that's what it's saying. Because I think it's very similar to Psalm chapter 4, the fourth Psalm, verse 4. Look at Psalm 4, verse 4. Be angry and do not sin. That sounds exactly what, like what we read in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. Meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. Now, there's a little bit of a problem there, isn't it? Because usually we're on our bed when it's dark. The sun's gone down. I think what Psalm 4 is telling us and what Ephesians chapter 4 is telling us is that we need to deal with our anger. Don't let it hang around. Don't let it fester. Don't stew on it. Deal with your anger or else it will come out in ways that you don't want it to come out. Don't let it live in your heart because it will come out in your actions. When we get angry, we are in control. And we need to consider if it is rational and justified for us to be angry in the first place. Sometimes I'm afraid we are not justified in being angry. Maybe there was a misunderstanding. Maybe we just had a long day, and the kids really didn't mean to do what they did. It was an accident, and maybe I shouldn't be angry. We need to make sure that we're justified in our anger. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, verse 22, 
But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Rekha shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, will be in danger of hellfire. Jesus says we're going to be in trouble if we get angry without a cause. Make sure you're justified in your anger. Give the other person the benefit of the doubt. Be patient. If it is justified, be angry. But always deal with your anger in a way that is appropriate because you are in control. Proverbs 25 verse 28 says, Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. You remember in old times that cities had walls around them to protect them. And if a city did not have walls, if those walls were broken down, then that city was in terrible shape because the enemy could just come and go as they pleased and just plunder and pillage and just destroy that city. And so it is with me. If I can't control my emotions and my thoughts and my spirit, I'm in just as bad a spot as that city is without walls because the enemy, the devil, will have his way with me. I have to be in control of my emotions. Proverbs 14 verse 25 says, He who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive exalts folly. I want to tell you, the wise person will be slow to anger. The wise person will make sure that his or her anger is justified. And the wise person will keep that emotion under control when it comes will have control of his or her spirit. Proverbs 16, verse 32, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. It tells me it's not going to be easy for us always to rule our spirit and have control of our emotions. But I can do it. And if I do control my emotions, the reward and the benefit to my life will be incredible. I'll control my spirit. Anger must be controlled. And letting anger cause us to act in ways, in sinful ways, is unacceptable. There's no excuse for me to fly off the handle. There's no excuse for me to do things that I shouldn't do and say, well, I wouldn't normally act this way, but you don't know how mad he or she made me. I wouldn't normally do this and it wouldn't be right most of the time, but I was hot, and so it was okay. No, we can never let anger cause us to act in ways that are sinful. In verse 31 of Ephesians chapter 4, But let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. This verse tells us I need to put away anger. We just got done looking at verse 26 that said it was okay to be angry, that I could have anger and not be sinful. How do I harmonize them? I think this verse is telling us that we, when we allow anger to dictate our emotions and our actions, then we have been wrong. This verse is speaking of things that I can control. This verse is speaking about things that I control because I'm going to put these things away. I'm going to put them away. I can't control some certain things that won't, will cause me to be angry. I can't control my kids disobeying me. That makes me angry when my kids disobey me. And I think it should. 
I can't control if someone steals from me or cheats me. That makes me angry. And that should, I think. I can't control that. But this verse, I think, is talking about things that I can control. And I can control how that anger makes me respond. This verse is talking about things I can control. Notice this verse is, is, is this idea of putting away anger is aligned with other things that I am in control of, like bitterness. I'm in control of bitterness. I'm in control of my wrath and my anger. I'm in control of my clamor and my evil speaking. I'm in control of my malice. This is talking about things that I can control. And I can control how anger and wrath makes me respond and makes me act. And I'm to put away that flying off the handle, that responding out of anger and doing things that I shouldn't do. Anger cannot cause us to act in sinful ways. And I want to tell you, finally, this morning, that we can control our anger by treating other people the way that we should. Look at verse 31 and 32 again. Verse 32 tells us, after it tells us to put away all bitterness, wrath, anger, it says in verse 32, And be you kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. You can control your anger if you'll remember to treat other people the way that God has treated you. If you'll remember how God has been angry with you because God is angry at the wicked every day. When I disobey God, you know that makes God angry. How does God respond? How does God respond to me? He responds to me mercifully, doesn't He? He forgives me. He loves me. And maybe someone has done me wrong. Maybe they've pushed that button. I need to respond the same way. In love, in mercy, and in forgiveness. I need to be kind and tenderhearted. I can control my anger by treating others the way that I should treat them. Romans chapter 12 says the same thing. Romans chapter 12, beginning of verse 19, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I'll tell you, there are going to be times when we have been done wrong. There are going to be times when someone intentionally did us wrong, and it's going to make us angry. And fine, it can make us angry. But I can control my actions and my response to that anger by treating that person the way that I need to treat them, by overcoming evil with good. By treating that person the way that I should, I can help control my anger and disarm it and keep me from doing things that I shouldn't do. Anger is an emotion that we all have. It's not wrong to be angry. It is dangerous, though. Anger opens up an avenue for the devil to tempt us and try and get us to do wrong. We must stay in the driver's seat. We cannot let the sun go down on our wrath. We have to take control of our anger. We can't let it to cause us to act in ways that are unrighteous and sinful. 
and we can control it by treating other people the way that we should. Are you in control of anger? Do you have control of it in your life? Do you have control of the other emotions and passions and desires that you have in this life? Do you have control of those? I want to tell you this morning, as we've talked about anger, it is not easy to control anger. All of us have felt the blood boiling, and we know how hard it is to control anger. It's hard to control other things in our lives, but you know what the answer is? Jesus has promised to help us. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Come to me, all you who, are labor, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus will help us. Jesus will help us to be the people he wants us to be, but I have to submit to him. I have to come to him, and I have to take his yoke. I have to be willing to submit to him in obedience. If you're here this morning and you've not become a Christian by doing what he said to do, before he left this earth, he told us what we need to do. He told us, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be condemned. Have you done that? Have you submitted to him? He'll help you, but you've got to submit to him. And maybe you've submitted to him, but you've wandered away and you've quit trying to rein in those emotions and those passions. You need to return to him so he can help. If there's anything we can do to help you, will you let us know while we stand and sing?